Hey folks, welcome to another edition of the Mental Health Podcast. I have uh, Nina here with me uh, and I can't wait for you guys to hear for what she has to say. Hey Nina, how are things with you today? Hi Sanjay, <laughs> good morning. <laughs> good morning. <laughs> um, so yeah, the, the, the first thing that I um, ask people is to talk a little bit about themselves so people can understand where you're coming from and uh, get a perspective on your own journey as well so here you go the floor is all yours oh okay well um my name is nina and mm -hmm. um i am a well i'll just say, start by saying this like being a therapist um it's hard to talk about myself so i'm it's kind of a struggle mm -hmm. um, I did my own little versions of avoidance by kind of pushing this off for as, uh, a little while. But but I think that there's a lot of things that you and I have talked about that I think that would be helpful maybe for other people. Um, mm -hmm. So I'll start by saying that. But um, I am a licensed marriage family therapist in the state of California. Mm -hmm. And presently I'm in private practice. Um, mm -hmm. And my private practice is called Strom's Nomad Therapy. Mm -hmm. um, so I do a lot of, it's very client-centered and there's definitely, um, yeah, I, 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 I do some contracts with other, other companies, but my journey up until this point has been really um, unfolding and a lot mm -hmm. as of mm -hmm. recent as well. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah, I'll just I'll start by saying that because um, yeah, being a therapist and talking about myself is really difficult. So, okay. Um, okay. Yeah. Definitely. I mean, uh, I I think uh, from the standpoint that I come in from, uh, I found it a lot more easier when I've had to ask questions rather than answer questions because you know talking about mental health and my own personal mental health is a ch challenge for me as well. Um, so you know, let me start with the basics, right? What, what does mental health mean to you? Um, you know, can we just get started with that? So, okay. Well, I love that. Um, because as you know me, um, and I know you, it's, um, I think it really is unique to each person. Um, mm -hmm. And I think that one of the motivators, you know, I, I, it, it really, it could be a lot of different things, but I mean, I think it's the thing that grounds you and the thing that allows you to create space to have a clear picture of what you have going on. Um, mm -hmm. well, it's, you know, a lot of times we get like, oh, you know, mental wellness is these, these categories, like all these categories of your, like your work life and your home life and your relationship, mm -hmm. your mm -hmm. finances, you know, mm -hmm. should all mm -hmm. be here. Um, mm -hmm. It's very, it feels sometimes very linear, but I really think it's how you define it. It's kind of that question of also like, how mm -hmm. do you define success? Um, okay. Mm -hmm. 
but it it looks different for each person and i think that um it's not a destination that you reach but it's a constant unfolding that you're doing your whole mm -hmm. life definitely oh i i love that idea wherein like mental health isn't something that you define it is something that's a unique journey and everybody has their own path and it unfolds along the way um you know one thing that uh, i have had my own personal struggles but uh, i'm i'm trying to get different perspectives on individual journeys right can you talk a little bit about your own personal mental health journey and like where you're at right now as well so yeah okay absolutely um, and I just have to say to your viewers, Sanjay, because we are on a video, but they won't be, but you have this really cute fake cat in your background that's super <laughs> distracting to me. <laughs> okay. All right, everybody, let's focus. Um, all right. Well, um, that's a great question because something I did want to really say about my own mental health journey and the mental health journey of many is that our the, the person that your therapist is, like if you do therapy, the person that your therapist is, mm -hmm. is just another human being. And mm -hmm. they have their lens and their experiences in which they come to the world. And we can't, we never know what anyone else, anyone else's, you know, experiences or what their battles are or what, you know, even what their experience, how their experience affects how they see the world like we don't know any of that stuff even when they mm -hmm. tell them, that's mm -hmm. still that's still kind of up in the air like that's just such an unknown thing which is kind mm -hmm. of cool if you think about it like it's like knowing that no matter what experience we're having it's always uh there's so many unknowns to it and that's and that is okay mm -hmm. um but i would say that my mental health journey started way back in childhood, <laughs> mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. you know, my background is really rooted in sort of a, a, a contrasting, even polarizing upbringing. Um, mm -hmm. I'm biracial. Mm -hmm. um, both my parents are immigrants and mm -hmm. um, English as a second or third language. I think for my dad, it was like his sixth language. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And, you know, and the thing that they both had in common, and they're both from very different parts of the world, um, mm -hmm. was that they both grew up in war and intense poverty. Mm -hmm. um, but they both also had the value that like education was everything. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. And kind of the answer to all things. And so unfortunately, that also meant that they never talked about the past. Um, you weren't allowed to ask about it. Mm -hmm. um, you know, my mom, I guess, is, was a refugee from Vietnam. Um, mm -hmm. And she was a single mother fleeing, you know, mm -hmm. with two small children. And, and we weren't allowed to ask about, like, who their fathers were, all that. Mm -hmm. it, it was, everything was in the past and you weren't allowed to talk about it. Um, and my mm -hmm. father, he was mm -hmm. 14 when World War II ended um, So in Denmark. And so he some pretty formative years i'm not i my history but I, I i had history lessons in america so they're a little like you know a little shaky <laughs> right um, I, I guess i could google that but um however many years he definitely had a lot formative his formative years basically were under nazi mm -hmm. occupation and the war and mm -hmm. um so he 
he served his required time in the Danish army and basically um, mm -hmm. left. And then he joined the US army to naturalize his citizenship. Mm -hmm. um, and he kind of just bounced all over, was gonna move to Australia. He, he was a single man until he was about 46. Um, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, you know, my parents met in like in a week got married like my mom was in the refugee camp basically and he mm -hmm. and she, she was a journalist in vietnam and she wrote her story and he read it mm -hmm. and they just like in a week he didn't even have a car he had to borrow a car and he go, went, mm -hmm. goes to the refugee camp and picks her up for a date and they end up getting married in carson city nevada like a week later like it's and then mm -hmm. i came along quickly afterwards and but nobody talked about that <laughs> and i was like if you do the math, <laughs> that was intense, <laughs> you know. Um, and he went to architecture school. So when he got, he landed a job with the Corps of Engineers, and then worked for the first for twenty six years after that. But we we couldn't talk about anything personal, like. Uh -huh. But everything in. And I just remember my lens as a kid just being so sensitive and so heightenedly aware of just avoidance and, and rage and kind of like masterful ways of, you know, hyper intellectualizing what's actually happening. And, you know, a lot mm -hmm. of people call it gaslighting these days. And I, and I don't want to like, um, I don't want to like, say that people aren't but i think that trauma is so prevalent in our culture and in mm -hmm. our lives that we don't realize that that's just a survive sometimes people survive by intellectualizing or saying something didn't happen or blaming mm -hmm. someone else or so i was kind of like always watching that like that lack of trust and sort of this isolation thing that they would do um mm -hmm. night tours mm -hmm. all that stuff mm -hmm. so like kid as a as a very small kid i just i remember feeling these things mm -hmm. and really noticing and and feeling what my friends families were going through i just kind of was a very um i don't know the whole world seemed very detailed to me i guess and um and my siblings also had their own you know my sister was a writer and she would just spend days inside just writing and writing and writing and um mm -hmm. and so i think like even back then i kind of noticed something like this very emotional acute aspect of myself but these two dialectics in my life you know my mm -hmm. you mm -hmm. know my father from denmark and my mother you know from vietnam mm -hmm. there was also the cultural aspects right like mm -hmm. well and as you know <laughs> you mm -hmm. know our, I, I really, I really wish there's, sometimes I get on these soapboxes where I'm like, we need a way of just, like languages for people and for making mental health so much more, um, like I love what you're doing, like making it inclusive, but mm -hmm. it really like, you know, applicable and the language that's used because in the Asian culture, you know, like um, mm -hmm. anything mm -hmm. that is kind of like, not the norm especially mental health is mm -hmm. like they try to make it go away by shaming <laughs> right right if i right. shame you enough maybe you'll be okay <laughs> mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. uh and 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 it's 
you know, there's a, it, yeah, yeah, we could talk it, it, about that. Like we could probably have that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I totally get where you're coming from, right? I mean, like I I haven't shared this before, but my mom and dad, you know, they didn't have the kind of relationship that your mom and dad had. But you know, the the thing was like basically that's the same way it happened, wherein like you know my mom's um, family invited my dad's family over, and they just met, and then they got married, you know, within no time. So, you know, it may not have been the refugee camp based story, but, you know, it, the experience was pretty similar. And the, 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 the other aspect that I also want to mention is like, we don't talk about it because, you know, that is expected. That is an accepted form of engagement. Uh, mm -hmm. And people thought it was more of a responsibility uh, to sort of behave that way. And, you know, marriage is just another phase of life that you get in, involved in and you know you, you just move on and you know this is something that you have to do it's not a choice it's not a, a decision that you get to make it is um something that you know people do and because everybody else is doing it that is your sort of prerogative to be doing this as well so I, i'm so glad you mentioned that and you know that <laughs> The, the, I'm the so other, glad you shared that. Yeah, yeah. And and, and the other aspect, <laughs> the, the, the other aspect that I sort of wanted to bring up was mm -hmm. that you know there is always this sense of struggle of identity, right? And and you brought this up so clearly when you said, "Hey, you know, where do I belong?" And you said, "I have a dialectical approach with respect to you know my own identity is sort of split between." am i vietnamese or am i you know danish um you know uh, or dutch rather um you know based on my own sort of uh, individuality but yeah i mean like th those were sort of great points you know I, I i want to sort of dig a little deeper there like i, I want to understand what does it mean when you say you're biracial right i mean like how do you define being biracial and what does that mean to you so it's interesting um Sanjay, because my, I, you know, my parents grew, like they moved to the mountains, basically. They moved to the foothills into um, a really small town, Coloma, California. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, it's kind of like if you've gone to the bathroom in Placerville on the way to Tahoe, you might, mm -hmm. <laughs> or if you've mm -hmm. gone rafting, right? Like whatever, but it's it was a really, really, really small back in the day. A lot more people go there now, but um, I, I think being, but, you know, I say biracial because it's just kind of like neither neither place made sense. And I, I kind of suck. I, I really wanted to seek that out at some point because I knew so little about my parents. Mm -hmm. um, so I moved to Denmark when I was 16. But being, I, I think being biracial gives me this opportunity to kind of um, see the world in just an additional lens, I guess. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But I also am I, I'm American, you know. I grew up in the United States. I grew up in California. Um, mm -hmm. Served in the military. I served. I served two years of domestic peace corps here mm -hmm. in the United States. You know, for two years, and so you do like you know county mental health, and you do you know work on Indian reservations, and it's really, um, which I I I really feel like I actually like I felt really welcomed on Indian reservations and like in Hawaii kind of where like I never really felt very welcomed in either my 
Vietnamese side. I don't speak the language. I, a lot of times when I was younger, my cousins would jokingly call me a half breed, um, mm -hmm. which mm -hmm. really sorted history in Vietnam because a lot of during the war, you know, the GIs left a lot of children with a lot mm -hmm. of Vietnamese women and these half breed children were mm -hmm. actually thrown out like on the street. Mm -hmm. They were not allowed mm -hmm. to get educated. They were, they were, they were, they were called dust children in Vietnamese. Like my mom has translated it for me before. Mm -hmm. um, and so the American government kind of put together this program because there's thousands and thousands of them in, the, in Vietnam and they're not mm -hmm. allowed to work. They're not allowed, that's a whole thing, right? It's, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. we can talk about India too, right? Like there's so many things and then we come with those ideas into America and it's supposed to be this great melting pot, but these, I guess going back to our original thing that we were talking about is that, you know, as a therapist, I have all these things, these lenses, mm -hmm. right? mm -hmm. everybody mm -hmm. that you can contact with has different experiences mm -hmm. they have. Mm -hmm. And, and we are made up of all of our experiences. We, we have to understand them or integrate them or at mm -hmm. least look at them and be like, well, this is part of my, you know, so, Biracial is interesting because I don't, I, I mean, I, I just recently started using that in a way. Um, mm -hmm. But growing up, I remember, you know, watching American movies and mm -hmm. I remember asking my dad if I could go to prom. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and he, what mm -hmm. is, that? you know, right. like, right. what is the right. prom? And so we watched like some 80s movie or something. I'm like, that's prom. And he goes, that looks terrible. You know, <laughs> I was like, I. He's like, I grew up during Nazi occupied war. Like, what is that? And I'm just kind of like, right. I guess I'm not going to prom. <laughs> you know, like, it's one of those, like, he was like, that looks so stupid. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I, I totally get what you're saying. And like, me being a first generation immigrant, sometimes um, uh, identity is a big question because uh, when you're young enough before you come here, you don't uh, think enough about your own identity, where you belong. And you come to a different place and people don't accept you for sure. You know, you can see it in the expression. You can see it in the way they talk about you. You can see in the conversations that you have. People are nice enough to have a friendly conversation, but, you know, they won't sort of let you in or, you know, they won't make you feel like you are, you know, one one with the community. But yeah, I mean, like a great point about prom. Like, you know, there's so many other things as well, right? I mean, like dating and like, you know, the, the, in terms of assimilation, it, it, it is such a huge problem that, you know, people who move here have to understand and sort of uh, figure out uh, on their own. Uh, you know, I, I know you mentioned the military aspect. You know, I, I, I haven't, you know, had a chance to interact with a lot of people with that lens. So can you give me a shed a little more light, you know, from, from that perspective? What's been your experience and like, you know, how mental health plays along with it as well? So. Absolutely. Um, so identity is interesting because my dad being three branches of the military, that was part of his identity and kind of something that he always really pushed. Um, and so I, I, you know, I, we didn't have money for college. And so I, and I was always kind of told my whole life, like, you should do the military, do the military, do the military. Um, and so I did. Um, I tried actually when I was about 18 to go into the army and the recruiter was a 
so so inappropriate and I, I at 17 I was like I will be eaten alive <laughs> mm -hmm. if I do this so I didn't and my dad kicked me out and so mm -hmm. I um, actually moved in with my older brother down in San Diego where our Vietnamese side of the family is um a lot of mm -hmm. them mm -hmm. and and so you know I kind of I found different ways to pay for college but when I finally did get done with my bachelor's degree after i did the domestic peace corps all that I, I feel like my whole life has been like working to go to school uh -huh. Uh -huh. <laughs> i i later wanted to really go to grad school and and go to nursing school and the mm -hmm. military had great scholarships and so i revisited that just a little bit later in my earlier 20s mm -hmm. and ended up joining the navy mm -hmm. and um and that's and I find myself like even in this conversation, like trying to avoid it, right? Because it's still something like even that I I'm working on. And so it's one of those things as a therapist, I I I refer those out, right? Like I'm mm -hmm. I'm in that, I'm still doing the work on the mm -hmm. stuff that went down mm -hmm. in the military. Mm -hmm. Um but I mean, all in all, like again, I look at things very dialectically, like there are so many things that I loved about the military mainly like the gym and you don't have to wait in line as a woman as a woman because there's less women you don't have to like there's not as many lines for the bathroom you know right. like the right. like you know, the locker mm -hmm. rooms empty um but the but in reality like joking aside like i there the the military is a great opportunity and it's also really dangerous mm -hmm. and it's it's not just dangerous for women it's dangerous for men and mm -hmm. Um, on different levels. And then it's also, there's this other dialectic side to it where it's really boring and, mm -hmm. you know, a lot of things. Mm -hmm. And, you know, for mm -hmm. all the times that you're, you know, getting mm -hmm. to do something exciting, you're also sitting in hours of briefs and waiting for mm -hmm. stuff that you don't know what's happening and you're sweeping rocks and, I don't know, dusting mm -hmm. things. It, it's, you know, there, it's such an extreme. There's it's a very polarized environment. Mm -hmm. And it's also extremely diversified, like which is what I one of the things I really love about it. It's really interesting that people come from all over, and people come from different places in the world, and they serve mm -hmm. in the military. Um, mm -hmm. You know, naturalized like my dad. You know, he naturalized his citizenship. Sometimes people don't do that, mm -hmm. um, but it's, I guess, the thing. Um, you know, so ground me in your question. How does that apply to my mental health? So, so <laughs> yeah, I mean, so, so I, I'm just trying to get you into perspective. And I love your tangents. I love the way you're sort of talking about a lot of different aspects that go with it. But, you know, I think there is a lot of struggle in terms of asking for help. Um, in terms of, you know, this is nothing to do with the military, but it is in general as well. But, you know, I just wanted to ask you from your perspective, like how is sort of mental health being impacted to people specifically in, you know, from the military lens and, you know, how we can sort of highlight and showcase, you know, some of the problems that come with it as well. So, Okay, absolutely. So the military is like a dysfunctional family. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and so when people sometimes feel really um, like they hate it when they're there, but then there's something so familiar about it and then they miss it when they're not there. And mm -hmm. so you, you create really strong friendships and bonds 
And then there's also a bonding over the things that really suck about it. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I'll just I'll just take a super deep dive into a really a, a thing that Americans don't like to think about is the amount of sexual assaults that are in the military. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, part of my own journey as a therapist was when I started working with veterans at a at a homeless residential program. It was like a dual diagnosis. And and I was finding that a lot of the men that I was doing individual therapy with, um, you know, like I always knew as as a woman and somebody that experienced um, some traumas in the military that, mm -hmm. you know, it like I knew that that was a given. It's almost like you can almost count the women that haven't been. But mm -hmm. the amount of men that have is so underreported and so hidden and so silenced and so shameful for the world or the society to even want to think about. So these men suffer in great silence and oftentimes, you know, resort to substance abuse um, mm -hmm. and crime or whatever homeless there's a lot of broken relationships it's hard to keep jobs there's a lot of symptomology that goes with being sexually assaulted in a place where you're it's your family almost mm -hmm. the military mm -hmm. is a family to a lot of people mm -hmm. so the trust the safety the control the power all that stuff comes into play it affects everything it affects your ability to be intimate it affects your ability to function you know and it usually i mean it just it really broke my heart basically that there's such a large portion of men who don't have a voice mm -hmm. um and and women too right like i but like here we're just we'll just specifically talk about that like you add you know a lot of other factors and PTSD and combat mm -hmm. and all mm -hmm. that um, and deployments and constant moving and broken marriages. I mean, marriages don't, you know, there's a lot of ruined marriages in the military. It's really hard to keep a relationship going when you're just all over the place and, and mm -hmm. having to, your work comes first, basically. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, that was something that really kind of made me stop in my tracks and switch direction in the work that I was doing because I mm -hmm. realized that even though I wanted to really be doing this work with these male veterans, um, mm -hmm. I had my own shit basically <laughs> that I needed mm -hmm. to address. And, um, mm -hmm. and it's not ethical as a therapist to continue working with people if i haven't done my own work around that same area mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so so i stepped away from a lead clini clinician position and mm -hmm. um, and it was really hard to leave working with these vets because it was really like i had a lot of free therapeutic reign where we would we did tai chi you know like we did i had these huge groups that are seeing lots of lots of clients a day but at the same time we'd take walks and like you know just do art we had we had cats there because i think people just dropped off cats at the facility um we were doing gardening like we were just kind of like getting really creative but i 
a lot of my own stuff came up and it really derailed my personal life. Like I, I divorced my son's dad, who mm -hmm. was an ex Marine who had just gotten out of the Marine Corps after 26 years. I, I, I moved out. I, I was all over the place. Like I really kind of had my own mental health um, crisis at the same mm -hmm. time without mm -hmm. any awareness of it actually. Like I was really kind of like, it all seemed fine. <laughs> Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's really interesting that, 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 that situation and that stressor, and plus we had just moved back from Japan. Um, we mm -hmm. I'd been working for UCLA out there and, um, you know, I just, I kind of just dove deep into this, this community of male veterans who so mm -hmm. many of them had also, um, and, and what I want to really highlight too is that, like, I, I, I wish I could just like pound this into people's head about like that sexual assault is about power and control. It's not mm -hmm. about sexuality. And I think a large thing that I that come up for men is that questioning of their sexuality, and it's about mm -hmm. power and control. It's it's pathology. It is sickness for somebody to violate another person like that regardless mm -hmm. but it permeates into all areas your intimacy your ability to trust people safety everything and so mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. so i stepped away because um i needed to take a look at that and and that journey actually still continues um mm -hmm. stay sanjay yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I, I just want to take a few seconds of silence, right? I mean, um, I don't know. I, I've I've seen people come here and talk about loss. And I said, you know what, let's just take a, a few seconds of silence for one to acknowledge um, what has happened um, and, uh, you know, to acknowledge the pain and the suffering um, that comes with it. Um, and at the same time, now I realize, you know, we just, I just want to acknowledge and just say, you know, we're just holding space to all those people um, who, who don't get a chance to voice uh, what happened, uh, who don't get the chance to acknowledge that it happened, um, and who are still sort of, um, you know, dealing with um, this sense of power and control taken away from them. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, I I know comparison is not a linear thing, and we can't compare experiences. But you know, one thing I definitely wanted to share is like people who are immigrants here sometimes feel the same way. Um, it's it's you know the the sense of loss of power, the sense of loss of control, this yeah. sense of you know loss of uh, you know ability to sort of define your own lifestyle and you know uh, your lifestyle sort of taken away and not knowing what it means to be a human being anymore so j just wanted to add that yeah so i just wanted to add that as well i, I um, really love that you said that sanjay because i i every day the neighborhood that my my son and i live um we moved close to my mom because she's 80 so we can you know be close to her and we are in a neighborhood where she moved to and mm -hmm. there's a lot of afghani refugees here um mm -hmm. and ukrainian refugees from the war um and every day i go to the store you know and i i just i i'm 
this is one of those things that makes me a great therapist, but also makes life sometimes really hard. But I just feel like I'll be there filling up my water next to mm-hmm. a family, an Afghani family. And I'm just like, who were you? Like, what did you have to mm-hmm. leave behind? Like, these are professionals. These are people that had lives. They had homes and they had villages and, and families and everybody was interconnected. And and mm-hmm. you could just see it in their eyes as they're walking around the grocery store like this, that there's people are so much more than mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. than we we always have to be willing to see that. I see that in homeless people, too. It's just like that is somebody's family. That is someone's child. That is somebody's person. Like they have a story. And I think mm-hmm. that it's so important that we take that time to know that people, people are they deserve empathy, you know, everybody mm-hmm. and animals do too. <laughs> um, but they, yeah, that's, it's huge. I see it every day where I live and yeah, I just want to say that. Yeah. Uh, thank you for highlighting that as well. Um, you know, one thing I wanted to ask you as well. So, you know, I know people go into therapy and hope or like, you know, work towards improving. But like, I, I want to get your perspective from a therapist standpoint. What happens when like, you know, people come in and like, you know, what are some of the, some of your struggles when, when you have to talk to people and like, you know, what, you know, some of the things where you say, hey, even though I know I can say certain things, I have to hold back and like, you know, just wanted to get your lens on, on, on those conversations. Yeah. Okay. I, um... Gosh, I, it's funny because I, this kind of circles around to my, you know, to my therapist too, because we talk about this, but I, I oftentimes use the metaphor of like, we're in a boat, you know, we're in a boat together. And a lot of people use this sort of metaphor, but I, I think the most challenging thing is when people get, they want a certain technique, um, and they say nothing's working like i am not getting better and you're a terrible therapist <laughs> mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. they're not doing anything in mm-hmm. the other hours other than the one hour <laughs> i see them and it's it's really disheartening and hard because i know how much work goes into my own mental health right and into mm-hmm the idea of accepting things that we don't want to accept. Like I have, you know, a lot of times people are like, I have all this anxiety and I don't want to have any of it. Like I, mm-hmm. you haven't done anything for me. Like mm-hmm. you suck. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. And, you know, it's interesting because um, my own therapist, I, what I really like, about, I, and I've gone through a lot of my own therapists, like a lot of times they've had to leave for their own personal, you know, reasons or moved or, um, you know, it, it's really difficult to find consistent mental health. It really mm-hmm. is. And, and my, my heart goes out to everyone. And I know that there's, you know, sliding scale for people is not always what's affordable. You know, sometimes 30 bucks a month even is a lot. It's, for It's a lot of money. Yeah. It, yeah, like people are struggling. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's really difficult because if you're in a boat with your client as the therapist and they're like, hey, you need to tell me where I'm going. Like you're the navigator, you're paddling, you're you're doing all the work, but they're just like, we're not getting anywhere. <laughs> um, 
it's it's that shouldn't be what you're doing as a therapist it kind of always reminds me of fire squads in the military you know when we're um I, I kind of have like a little bit of an obsession about land navigation and maps. I just like them. They're just kind of like my little, my geek fest. Mm -hmm. I like to look at maps. Um, but you know, everybody has a job, right? When you're in mm -hmm. a fire squad in the military, everybody's supposed mm -hmm. to, you, you have your medical support, you have your point person, you have your navigator, you have these mm -hmm. roles and mm -hmm. you can't do all of them. And mm -hmm. I, you know, I would always, that that's, um, I think from my upbringing, <laughs> Cause I was very much like very close to my dad and my dad had a very intense, you know, I was always kind of like mitigating and navigating and trying to figure out what my dad was, you know, going to do next or whatever. Um, you know, it turns out he was a bit, you know, not only PTSD, but bipolar in there, a spectrum, mm -hmm. which made it super interesting, extremely over-functioning, sometimes not needing mm -hmm. sleep. Mm -hmm. my tendency is to take everything on right like i'm just like i'll just do everything <laughs> you mm -hmm. know and mm -hmm. sometimes in the military where i was just like you know i'll just do that and i'll do this too and then you know you're just trying to it's it's insanity we, we need to work together and so in therapy that's huge like that one hour and i know clients are always just like ah, my therapist just tells me to journal <laughs> mm -hmm. you know it's it's as simple as like waking up at the same time every day it's as simple mm -hmm. as like taking a walk even if you don't feel like it like having mm -hmm. the routine of knowing what you're like eating some food and keeping your blood sugar up and mm -hmm. it, it's it's like really small things that add up to great progress in the long run and so that is one of the m most difficult things is when you know you're just you're paddling and you're doing you're trying to do and you're like just pick up the paddle, <laughs> you mm. know? Um, so that's hard, but I, you know, I, I think that a lot of times those individuals will just drop out because nothing's mm -hmm. happening for them. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And, and it's, it, that's okay. You know, cause sometimes people aren't in that place. That's okay. Mm -hmm. And it's mm -hmm. also okay to find other therapists that might be a better fit. Um, mm -hmm or you know organize your life differently so it fits in and you're not just like stressed when you come in to your session like it's mm -hmm. it's hard it's hard to find the way that works for people you know right um you know i i i just caught on to one thing that you mentioned in terms of maps and mm -hmm. journeys so i i know you had an interesting perspective on the maps and the journeys can you talk a little bit about like what those are and you know it was very fascinating to me and i i would love for other people to hear about it as well so yeah oh. okay okay well i i'm a very like visual kinesthetic like i like to you know draw things out um so my my metaphor is basically because i love maps so much um and you could kind of draw this out yourself. So this is kind mm -hmm. of something that's helpful. Um, mm -hmm. Is that we are all made up of a bunch of rivers. So if you like picture it, that we have these mm -hmm. different rivers that mm -hmm. flow into what would ideally be our ocean, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and each of the rivers go through vast landscapes. And so some are flowing, like mm -hmm. some are piled up, some are mm -hmm. super dried up, some are mm -hmm. like be polluted with like dead fish <laughs> mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. some just come and they like get stuck in giant reservoirs and they sit there um you know some we don't even know where they started you know mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um 
and many have changed course or been rerouted or, you know, those sort of things. But if we think of ourselves as like a map and we have these mm -hmm. rivers flow in, which is like, you know, our family of origin and it might be like, you know, where we grew up, like how we identify ourselves, you know, it's like the LGBTQ or are we like biracial? What are, what, you know, our relationships, our mental health stuff, the things that we identify as careers, all these rivers kind of flowing in and what they look like. Um, mm -hmm. And that I just kind of picture and see it that like, we don't need to judge others on what their mm -hmm. landscape looks like. And mm -hmm. there is no GPS, there is no magic formula, but mm -hmm. we just have to get curious. Like we have to mm -hmm. get lost in order to be found. That's what mm -hmm. it is. Yeah, I mean, uh, that, that that's just fascinating because sometimes I feel like you're going in one way and stuff happens to you and you just get rerouted. And, uh, you know, um, and th that is something that was really fascinating to me because, uh, uh, you know, you have all these goals, you have these visions, but, you know, what happens when, you know, things happen to you? And, like, you know, do you still look at the same goals the same way? Or do you sort of sort of think about it as though, you know, there is a reason why this happened to me? And there is a reason why, you know, this sort of is sort of guiding me to tell, tell me that, hey, you know what, this is going to be your journey now. And this is how you're sort of navigating along the way. So, um, absolutely. I like, I also like the idea of, um, you know, you know, Sanjay, about the Japanese um, kintsugi pots, mm -hmm. you know, the art form where they, it's like broken pottery. And instead of repairing the broken pot, you know, you kind of mend it together with like liquid gold. Mm -hmm. And so the idea is allowing our wounds or our broken parts to be basically incorporated to, into who we are and that those mm -hmm. end up being like our strongest points. Um, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and, and not everybody's going to think that that's beautiful. That's okay. Our, our imperfections and our mistakes and our traumas and our unwanted parts can still be, you mm -hmm. know, incorporated and it and and make us stronger. It mm -hmm. it's hard. It takes process. Sometimes the parts don't want to fit together. Maybe there's a little missing part from it, you know. But yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's a great analogy. As in, like you know, um, rather than uh, using something and throwing it away, even if yeah. certain things are, uh, uh, you know, I don't know if broken is the right term, but uh, you know, if things have developed some flaws, uh, maybe mm -hmm. then you know you're trying to mend those flaws and uh, you know uh, make it so that you are using it for the longer term as well so yeah and you know that the other thing that you know you mentioned and and this is not something which is new but you know the the trends were you know men and women sort of working together it 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 is such a challenge today and you know we are becoming more and more divided um as we go so like you know can you share a little perspective into like how we can sort of you know, collaborate or work together better rather than, you know, the way people are sort of moving further and further away from each other as well. And, you know, how that is sort of impacting everybody's mental health as well. So. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And and you, I, I think for your viewers, obviously, you and I have had more conversation and more details kind of behind the scenes. So a little bit 
on that is that I think one of my, I guess it's one of my passions is to acknowledge how, you know, when when we receive a trauma or receive a, I don't know, that's the, the wrong terminology, is that, that when we're hurt, our tendency is to, to generalize and then to include everyone in that category. And so what mm -hmm. I see, you know, if we're thinking about, you know, heterosexual relationships, let's just start there, right? Like that, mm -hmm. you know, a, a woman is hurt by a man or a man is hurt by a woman and the tendency is to blame all men or all women is mm -hmm. really, 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 really need to get away from that. Um, mm -hmm. Really mm -hmm. challenge that narrative for so many reasons. Um, for me personally, my own like PTSD and, and, and trauma experience compels me to challenge that narrative. And my therapist at the vet center is an ex-Marine um, and he's off because he just, we get each, we have the same language. There's a lot of things with that. Um, and he's awesome because he helps me challenge, obviously the thing that I'm afraid of, right? Like the thing that, you know, I avoid in my personal mm -hmm. life, which is, you know, there's a lot of things that like, although I have male, uh, you know, friends, I also keep people at a distance. Like my own trauma has really spelt, you know, sort of distance in my own personal relationships. But I'm also a single mom of a boy, mm -hmm. right? My teenage son is my anchor. He is, mm -hmm. and what I mean by that, and that's not like an enmeshment thing, but he's a reminder. He's more like, he is sort of like a, if you were to imagine the topographic map and there being like a beacon on the side of the ocean, he's mm -hmm. one of the lighthouses that I'm like, oh, like he's, this is why I'm doing this. This is why I'm doing my work. This is why I'm, cause I don't, I want him in therapy and I want him to have the emotional language that I didn't have when I was growing up um, mm -hmm. so that he has more tools and he understands like I'm narrating to him, like when this comes up, this is what I feel so that mm -hmm. he has that ability to also navigate his own emotions um, because it's, it's a bunch of bullshit that men don't have emotions, right? Like mm -hmm. I think still, think that men are just supposed to be strong and deal with all the pressure and, and take care of things. And I know things are changing, but there mm -hmm. is a huge, there's a reason why there's such a huge suicide rate and among men. Um, mm -hmm. And they are the most, you know, successful at it. And then you look at the veteran community and it's like over 20 something a day, you know, mm -hmm. I mean, it's really uh, an issue that men don't have the same, you know, social rights to share their feelings, but they don't have the language. And I think we have to really, really, really address that. Um, mm -hmm. And um, yeah, that's kind it of- It is, yeah, it is. Yeah, I mean, definitely I agree with 
everything that you said you know of having that support system finding that support system or finding your voice had been my struggle as well i mean i've, I've done better now like if <laughs> wherever i've navigated i i feel like mm-hmm. i've uh, you know reach out to more people and figure out who who you know uh, will be my part of uh, the mental health team almost wherein you know they can uh, you know weather the storm as it comes and uh, it it sort of guides me along the way so yeah nina i mean like this conversation has been great you know uh, it's just um, uh, you know one thing that i want to sort of um, add to sort of um, bring in that inclusivity aspect like what mm-hmm. are some things that you do when you feel that sense of anxiousness or nervousness or like you know you're just getting sort of overwhelmed and you know don't know sort of what to do with with all of that's coming up so you know any guidance on on that will be grateful greatly helpful yeah absolutely um well it's kind of you know something that i also found over the this mental health journey of my own is that um but I was also diagnosed with the bipolar spectrum. So, mm-hmm. and when I say that people usually, their eyeballs are like, what? Like, because everybody kind of has an association, you know, there's a lot of lack of information and we also utilize that word improperly. Mm-hmm. But it's something that helps with that. And it's something that I just had a, you know, my son and I talk about this a lot because there are mm-hmm. some genetic components to it. Um, mm-hmm. Is that there's a difference between our mood and what we feel and Mm -hmm. then what we think Mm -hmm. and and so then also what our body is telling us and 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 the concept is like interoception like our ability to like go in and notice what our bodies are feeling and doing and so it's it really is mindfulness um That term I found when I worked with a lot of veterans was a turnoff. It's sort of like telling them we're going to go do yoga. So I was like, we're mm-hmm. going to go do martial arts. And they're like, cool. And I said, <laughs> like, we're going to go do yoga. Even though, like, you and I have had this conversation that before, you know, yoga became like Lulu whatever. <laughs> right. I'm, I'm not hating on that, but I'm just saying, like, it, it, right. it was intense. It's intense. It's just like getting into your body and really breathing mm-hmm. Of course. But, um, but language is really important is kind of my is my point so to me even like mind the term mindfulness is so overused but i call i use the term double down mm-hmm. so i stop and i pause and i i i realize when i'm reacting to something or something's coming up and somebody is you know acting a certain way or, or whatever i it's no it's our internal landscape dictates so much of how we perceive a situation. So mm-hmm. I just double down. I kind of double down on myself and I ask myself kind of what's going on. And what mm-hmm. I really want to notice is what is my mood and what mm-hmm. am I feeling? Cause those two things are different. So my son and I were talking about this. I'm like a mood is almost like, like a weather pattern. Like you don't have control of that. Like it's mm-hmm. some people's moods are pretty like, steady like mm-hmm. weather every day other people's moods are kind of melancholy it's sort of like portland or not Portland, you know like but sometimes it's mm-hmm. just happy all the time you know you're just like mm-hmm. okay um mm-hmm. portland isn't they do have a hot summer <laughs> but um but so our mood is more like a weather pattern and mm-hmm. then there's a feeling and our feelings are like waves our feelings mm-hmm. come in and they go out because feelings 
really can only last for about 20 seconds. But sometimes we start thinking about our feeling and then our feeling feels like it's lasting forever and ever and ever. Mm -hmm. And these things are all interconnected. But if I can double down on myself and ask myself, what am I, what is my mood? What's my weather right now? Mm -hmm. What am I feeling? Mm -hmm. And then I kind of just notice like if the thoughts, cause sometimes you have running thoughts. And so I look at thoughts as just kind of like noise often. Mm -hmm. uh, and then you could decide what you need to do. Like, do you need to go on a run? Do you need to go take a walk? Do you need to go like lay in water? <laughs> do you need to mm -hmm. go take a nap? Do you need to eat some food? Do you need to drink some water? You know, like these are things that we can do for ourselves. I think mm -hmm. we're so externally focused society we're often like i feel like shit so i'm gonna watch uh two hours of instagram or whatever mm -hmm. <laughs> so, that's what we do or i'm gonna just drink right now or I, you know i'm gonna like try to like smoke some weed and numb out you know so it's like it it's just you know and i don't i'm not judging any of that stuff like i think that on a spectrum people choose what they choose and that's okay if it works for them um mm -hmm. but that's what i do i do that double down definitely <laughs> <laughs> yeah thank you thank you for sharing that um and you know and the last thing is like i ask people like uh, few things people you want people to take away from this conversation you know just the high notes uh what would they be <laughs> um but it's a full moon and that i don't sleep during the full moon and i tend to like you know go on tangents no, i'm just kidding um I don't know that it's like, like that it's okay to not be okay. Um, mm -hmm. And, and it's okay to take the time that you need. Um, and that there is help out there and have to cost either, you know, I really love like the groups that are on NAMI or like, I think everybody could utilize a codependence anonymous group. Um, mm -hmm. I think that, you know, DSBA, which is like, you know, for, for bipolar and depression, support groups are free also, and there's BPD groups and, you know, ADHD. I, I think knowledge is power and mm -hmm. um, it's, it's good to be curious. It's good to pull out the map and be like, okay, so what's going on here? You know, like, <laughs> mm -hmm. what happens to this river? Like, mm -hmm. uh, you know, I could use, I could use some more flow here. What do I need? Um, Mm -hmm. I, I think the takeaway is that we're just human and um, and have some empathy for yourself and mm -hmm. some self-compassion. Um, mm -hmm. and, and that helps us see that everyone else is also fighting a battle too. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know. So, sometimes, you know, I, I've just been feeling so overwhelmed during the conversations that I'm having off late. It's because... I don't know. Sometimes I don't know if language is enough, right? I mean, sometimes I feel like words aren't enough to appreciate uh, people for taking the courage to be as vulnerable as they are being, as you are being. Um, yeah, I'm j I just want to say thank you. And I hope, you know, some people, uh, you know, are urged to ask for help or like feel that need to say, hey, you know what, this is not right. Something is not okay and maybe it is okay for me to go and ask for help as well so absolutely yeah and to i don't know and to not feel so alone and those i guess there's something i do want to say about you know like suicidality like it really mm -hmm. is does 
sometimes only seem like the only answer for for so many people and it's a really big area i've been touched by suicide a lot in my own life um and have had my own struggles with it as well and that people fear that you know there's so much um but when we talk about it shame is one of those things that like anything that we feel shameful about if mm -hmm. we're willing to put a little light on it it it, mm -hmm. it doesn't survive mm -hmm. it lessens sure. it. and so i mean just sitting with somebody and not trying to fix a situation but mm -hmm. that in and of itself can move us through it so definitely i yeah. hope uh, you know people take that away too so <laughs> absolutely sanjay absolutely yeah. thank you <laughs> this has been awesome yeah. thank you thank you